Good morning, church. There's great mystery in the room, isn't there? And there's something about mystery, I think, that intrigues us. It, it pulls us in. Are things that we haven't yet discovered or that we're still discovering or we wish we knew the answer to. Um, and, like, there's a whole list of them. And probably in your life, if you, if you think about all the things that are still mysterious to, to you and to me. I've come to believe that God has this great desire for us to engage in mystery because it, uh, it makes us ask questions. It pulls us into discovery, to the adventure of thinking about things that he's up to. And the truth of the Bible is that it tells us that God knows us thoroughly. He's wired us with the way that we are, our, our DNA. And part of that DNA is the hunt, the wondering, the mystery, wanting to know the answers to life, especially the big questions in life. Even terms that we use regularly like love, joy, peace, life, we think we first have defined it, understood them, and then it's kind of like an onion, right? Or a parfait. (laughs) Things have layers, and our understanding like opens up, and then we think, oh, wow, there's there's something else underneath that that I still want to discover and try to understand. It's true in every area of our life. Um, these kind of mysteries, physicists tell us that hidden away in every physical manifestation in our world and in the universe around us is mystery. That's actually quantum theory is built upon that place in modern physics that has at its heart this principle of indeterminism that I can't know fully exactly the depths of all that's there. So we're confronted with this mystery everywhere we turn, and I know that drives some of you just crazy because... You're an engineer, and you want to know the steps. You want to know everything in black and white. Or you're one of those people that like every one of your boxes checked off, and you want to know the answers to everything. That's really not how God created the universe, by the way, and relax in that. It's actually very, very good that God has these great mysteries. And some we can start to discover and understand and learn about. That's where this passage in Ephesians chapter 3 is going to take us this morning. I want to invite you to turn your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's some provided in front of you, and they're found on page 977. That's where you're going to find Ephesians chapter 3. We've been in a study for several weeks in this really great book, and I want to invite you just to dig right into it. And mystery is what keeps life fascinating and interesting, compelling. Scriptures even say this about it, that it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, Proverbs 25, 5. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings is to search it out. We get the opportunity to try to seek and understand the mysteries of life. And Paul is going to address address some of the great mysteries of life here in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. This is God's word to us this morning and invites you to think about it deeply and dig into the mystery. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you, Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as has now been revealed 
to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. You probably had other mysteries in mind when I said some of the greatest mysteries in life are found right here in Ephesians chapter 3. But I want you to dig a little deeper because I don't think I got it wrong. The passage begins by connecting us. It has that phrase, for this reason, and it's pointing back to the first couple chapters in Ephesians, and specifically what Paul has just said at the end of Ephesians chapter 2. He's talked about this incredible mystery that God would bring the great news, or what the Bible calls the gospel of Jesus Christ. That into my brokenness and my sin and my failing, my separation from God, God would send his own son to be a sacrifice, to give his life, shed his blood on a cross so that I might have a relationship with him. And it's one of the most profound mysteries that's ever been written about, that's ever been revealed from God, that he would treat you that way, that he would treat me that way. And, and I don't want to ever lose sight of that astonishing work of God. And it's because of God's great work of grace in Jesus that we're invited to dive into the great mysteries of life. And so Paul starts talking about them, these mysteries, and I'm going to frame them in questions, uh, some of the themes that are talked about in this specific portion of God's Word. And here's the first mystery. How can I know God? Now, you have to admit, that's, that's definitely one of the big questions in life. And if everyone settled in our world on the right answer to that, Think of how our world would be vastly different. In virtually every way imaginable, we'd be different if we all came to full understanding of how to answer that mistress question. The question isn't framed with those exact words, but you can see it. Let me ask the question, how did Paul know anything of what he was writing in the book of Ephesians? How did he know? How could he possibly say that we can know God? How could he say that the only way to God is by his grace, his gift, not anything you have done, otherwise you're going to start bragging about it. But it's by God's grace through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that a person can have a relationship with him and be forgiven and experience new life. How can he make some of these bold statements that really turn the general thinking of the world upside down, that went against all that people have been taught? Paul's answer is that he didn't make this stuff up or have a wild dream some night or put on magic glasses and discover it. That's not how it happened. 
It happened because God initiated and he revealed. That's how it happened. That word revelation is found a couple times in our text, and Paul is pointing to how he knows these things. Specifically, Paul knew Jesus and the good news of his eternal plan because God initiated and he revealed. And you're going to find that throughout the text of Scripture. I didn't discover God because I was on a hunt for him. I discovered God because he revealed it to me. He initiated. I love God not because it comes out of my nature or because it comes naturally to me. I love God, Scripture says, because why? He first loved me. God started the ball rolling. I didn't, right? And that's why he gets the credit. And God revealed. He opened the door to who he was. He let us know. And it's by his revelation that Paul can confidently say, this is how a person can know God and find healing and wholeness, can find truth in their life. This is, this is how you can find direction and purpose. It's because God wanted you to know. He didn't want you to be clueless. Yeah, there's a lot of things in your life that are going to be mysterious, and that mystery is good. But there's some things you can know for sure with certainty because I'm going to reveal them to you. And so he points us that direction here in Ephesians 3, that he had a plan, God did. Even a plan for a person like Paul, who was running far away from God. If you know a bit of Paul's story, he was a man who was headed the opposite direction. He was persecuting and killing Christians and participating in their arrest and their torture and their death. And on a way to get more of them, to, to persecute more Christians, He was walking on this road in Syria, headed toward Damascus, and God arrested him in his tracks. He blinded him, and then he showed him who he was. He revealed himself to Paul, and Paul is pointing back to that event found in Acts chapter 9 here, that it was God who initiated with him, that it was God who revealed to him, and that's why he could say what he was saying. And for all his days, all of Paul's days, it remained a mystery to him why God was so good to him. And you'll see it in his letters. And I love this attitude about Paul has. Man, he can't believe how good God has been to him. Can you believe it? Can you believe how God has been so good to you? I know maybe your fallback is, oh, you don't, you don't understand, Ron. All these things are spinning out of control in my life. I've got all these hurts and pains and frustrations to God and things that he's done to me. I think you've got it wrong. I think God has always loved you. And God has been way better than you deserve. That's the story of the Bible. He really has. He's been way better than I've deserved. And he has revealed himself to me, to you, through his word. And that's what Paul is so stunned by and excited by, that God sought to create people who would experience and understand him and know him and walk with him. And of all the profound mysteries of life, This mystery is the richest and the deepest. How good is it that God wants you? How good is that? And that he's made a way for you. That all you have to do is acknowledge your brokenness and your sin to him. And place your confidence, your trust in what he has done through Jesus Christ. And stop going your own way and turn around and confess him. Trust in him. Have that personal conversation. 
You can have that even as I'm speaking today and you will be a new person. God will show you himself. I want to invite you to do that. To listen to the Lord's prompt your heart. Perhaps that's why you came this morning. The sole reason why God has you here is that you might start to understand who he is. You can know God through God's great revelation of himself in Jesus Christ, his son. That's what Paul is communicating here. You can know him. And there's another mystery. Actually, it's the greatest mystery of history. It strikes me that as humans, our starting point for trying to discover life's great mysteries is typically right here. It starts with me, right? Read any history book. Um, perhaps you're, you have children that have got history right now and you're trying to help them with their homework and realizing how much you don't know or forgotten in that history book. Or perhaps you're a student and you're taking history right now in high school or college or you're younger. Or perhaps you've still got one of your old textbooks around. Every textbook, every history textbook that I've ever seen starts here with humanity. And that's a really lousy starting point. Because we didn't write history. According to the Bible, God writes history. And God has this fantastic plan moving all of history so that we might understand and know what it's about. He's going to open up this great mystery, and it says it here in Ephesians chapter 3, this great mystery that throughout the ages people were confused about, didn't understand fully that God had a plan, and through all the things that you see in the Old Testament, he has been writing this same consistent story. He has been, unre- he has been unleashing our understanding to, to know God. Through Jesus Christ, his son, the Messiah. It's a story of Jesus Christ from first to last in the Bible. It's this great working of God through history. It leads to him. Don't know if you like the the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, but I think there's some funny parts to it. And it reminded me of this scene in that movie. We've got it for you here. Give me a word. Any word, and I show you how the root of that word is Greek. Okay? How about arachnophobia? Arachna, that comes from the Greek word for spider, and phobia is a phobia, is mean fear. So fear of spider, there you go. Okay, Mr. Porticollis, how about the word kimono? Kimono. Kimono, kimono, kimono. (laughs) Of course, kimono is come from the Greek word kimona, is mean winter. So, what do you wear in the winter time to stay warm? A robe. You see, robe, kimono, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I love the scene. And it reminds me. like in the movies, and also in two, it carries on that theme that, that uh, everything comes from the Greek, right, for him, for the dad, because he's Greek. But it reminds me of Scripture, that all the way through Scripture, God has been writing the story, and everything points back to Jesus. There you go. That's it. That's my story, right? That's the story of the whole Old Testament. Everything points to Messiah. There you go. So, 
One of the great mysteries of life is this that he's unfolding for us here in chapter 3, that the gospel of this Messiah, of God's great plan for us to express his love is found in Jesus Christ. And this gospel is not merely a, about a path to heaven, about experiencing just that. It's about real life now and into eternity. It's as much about discipleship and the daily following of Jesus and the process of becoming like him as it, as it is about this spiritual birth point for me. And it's about all of us engaging in the plan of God and this new life he has for us. Paul often reminds us of this gospel of grace, and it's a story of God's love stamped on you, on your identity, on your heart, the deepest part of who you are, that he's always been writing this story, and he's writing it for you, with you, on you today. It's part of the mystery of what you're invited to live in. And you get to think about what's happening in my life this week where God is at the center and he's revealing himself and it's leading me back to Jesus. That's why things are happening in your life like they're happening because God wants you to know him and he wants you to know his son, Jesus. And he wants you to know that you're loved. Why? Why Why grace like that? That's a big question, isn't it? That's a mystery. Why would God... Love us like this. And this is why the gospel seems really confusing to some people. How is that possible that that God could love people who have been like they are with him? In my most selfish moments, I imagine that somehow I deserve to be loved because I'm pretty lovely. (laughs) That I deserve to be forgiven and adopted by God into his family. I deserve the riches of of heaven and of earth. And after all, God owes me, doesn't he? It's part of my inalienable spiritual rights or something. No, not really. It's not really part of my rights. Yet the words of Ephesians, they strip away those pretensions, don't they? That grace is not about my actions. Otherwise, I'm going to become a person who just brags about it and takes credit for it. Grace is God loving me despite it all. It's all of him. Why would God love me? Well, I know this intellectually from the Bible that it's part of his nature and his character. This is who God is. So that's what he does. He does what he is. He expresses his love. But that's not the only thing that's mysterious about this. It's not just that he loved me For that sake, it has layers to it, again, like an onion. The grace of God is not an end to itself. It never is. Listen to this. It's not an end to itself that God loves you. God loves you for a purpose. There are plenty of people who call themselves Christians who believe that they were intended to wallow in the bathtub of grace for hours. What happens when you're in the bathtub for hours? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You become a prune, which is not God's design for you. doesn't make us look attractive, right? What's attractive is when God's grace changes us. It cleans us, cleanses us for a purpose. Because God's grace will not allow us to be passive. It's God's work in us to flow out of us. We were intended to be, to be people who 
have the grace of God flow out of us like conduits, not receptacles. We don't hold on to the grace of God. We let it flow out of us. I know that in a couple weeks, we're going to do church different. And it's going to be a stretch for some of you because you're going to have to get here a little earlier than you will at the 11 o'clock service. We're going to do an impact Sunday morning and we're going to serve. Why? It's because God's grace leads you there. I know some of you are going to think, oh, I'll just go to another church. It'd be a lot easier to do that. It would be easier. Actually, it'd be a lot easier to do church this way on our staff. But we believe that God's grace has called us to be conduits, to be people and a church that give out the grace of God to our community. And there is no higher form of worship than that, that, that we must engage And that's why I'm calling you in a couple weeks to join that mission. Because it's the mission of God. To love like this in practical terms, to give our community a taste of the grace of God is the greatest way we can express our worship. So be here, don't weasel out. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Let's do this and have joy in the process of it as a reflection of God's grace. Paul says in verse 7, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Paul says, I was the least guy. I, I was, my, my history is bad. And yet God gave me this great gift to do ministry. So that's why I'm doing what I do. And that's why we as a church do what we do. We engage in giving out grace together. Listen, there... There is no thing that you can't do on impact day. There no, there's no person here that won't have a place to be able to give out the grace of God. For some of you who have physical limitations, we've got the project just for you. For some of you who have kids, that's fantastic. Take your kids along and model grace to them right? as we do this. We're going to do it together because God has loved us first. That grace is a gift, and I'm a grace dispenser. That's how God wants me to to view my role. Now Paul tackles another mystery, and actually in Ephesians, he speaks to it. He's already spoken to it a couple times in Ephesians 1 and 2. He speaks to it here, and he's going to speak to it in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, if some of you were married in the church, you probably had your pastor or counselor say something about Ephesians chapter 5. It's one of those key texts where it talks about um, two becoming one. And actually, it's a metaphor, what happens in our married life, that is two very different people becoming one. It's, that connection is actually a bigger metaphor for the church, for all of us here seated right now, and all of us in the first service, and the capital C, all of us across the world, that God had this plan to connect, to make very different ones whole and one and different so I have a, an illustration, and I need a lovely assistant to help me out. And uh, Debbie Van Spreckler, where are you? Are you somewhere around here? There you are. Okay, Debbie's going to help me with my illustration. So thank you, Debbie. Would you welcome Debbie Van Spreckler, the lovely Debbie Van Spreckler. Yeah. So, so um, we have a circle, right? Circle, it's not a mat. This is not a, whoa, magic trick, right? Circle right here. And um, it's just construction paper. And this in history is like the Jews. 
God chose a people for himself to express his love to the world so that the world might know him and come to faith in him. That was his purpose for the Jews. And like all people of all generations, they walked away from the purposes of God. And his glory was not expressed through their disobedience and their constant failing of the covenant. But that was, God still had a plan, right? He knew the Messiah was going to come and fully express his love for people. But he was going to take these people that were precious to his name and still are. And he was going to connect them to the, all the rest of us, right, who are non-Jews, the Gentiles. And that's what it's talking about here in the text. So these are the Gentiles, right? The rest of us he was going to connect and he was going to make something very different. So, Debbie, we need to tape this together. So, give me a piece of tape there, if you would. Let's just tape that. Perfect. That's great. And God is going to connect it. But that's not really something totally different. That's still just two circles. But what if Debbie could make a square out of this? How many of you are um, math lovers? In the, you'll confess that. Are you kidding me? Like in the first service, it was like two-thirds. And I was like, really? You guys all love math? Well, anyway, um, Debbie, I didn't know if you knew this, but Debbie is fantastic at math. And so, isn't that right, Debbie? I'm disappointed the nine o'clock. So God is going to make two different things, but circles into something very different. So, Debbie, I'll help you out here. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Okay, I need to get this to. So I'll let Debbie do that because she's the magician. Here's the plan of God that He would take people in this room, as we've talked about, as Ephesians tells the story, from all kinds of different ethnicities and cultures and backgrounds all kinds of different socioeconomic groups, the advantaged and the disadvantaged, people of all kinds of different heritage and family of origins, and start to make something, you can start to make something different out of that. You think you could do that? You don't have a whole lot of confidence for a magician. Come on, Debbie. You're supposed to say, yeah, I got this. Okay, perfect. So Debbie's going to make something very different out of this, and she's going to make a square, right, out of two circles. Isn't that phenomenal, right? And here it is. That's not quite it. So um, that's okay. I can work with it. She's going to make two very different things into one, right? Two circles into one square. The lovely Debbie Van Spreckler. Fantastic. Which is, of course, an illustration of two becoming one. That's the story. That God takes two different things and makes them into one new creation. And what is that new creation? It's a mystery. He calls it the church. That's that's this new creation he talks about here in Ephesians chapter 3. According to his purposes, that's what he's doing. So that through the church, verse 10, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Made known to rulers and authorities, not only the rulers, people, in places of authority here on our earth, but spiritual places, because Ephesians tackles the whole big spiritual questions, too, of what God is doing in our universe. And he is going to use this mysterious organism. We're not a building. 
We're an organism, the church. Now, how many of you have friends that don't think so much of the church? Really? I would think everybody should raise their hand probably at that point. Because everybody's met people that has all kinds of issues. Perhaps that maybe even that's you that has issues with the church. You've been hurt or wounded by someone, a person who's sitting next to you, or by a pastor. That happens all the time because I'm human and a sinner. People that, that have carried all kinds of baggage. Other people don't like the church because it stands and makes unpopular stands that are not PC. Other people, anytime they get next to a church, are convicted of their own sin and they hate that. And so they'll, you know, they'll point out all the hypocrisy, all the hypocrites in church, which includes all of us, right? And so the church struggles. But here's the deal. God is sovereign. And in God's fantastic plan, he has chosen what you would not imagine or choose. He has chosen to create this right here, the church. His people gathered together from all kinds of different backgrounds made into one. I don't know why God did this. That's a mystery. And I'm still trying to learn all the reasons behind it with all of our failings and struggles and weaknesses and our potential to hurt, all of our hypocrisy, the way we fall short of being God's perfect realization of his design. But that doesn't mean the design's flawed. We're flawed. And God, even in that place of being flawed, uses us, the church, where he can make all the difference in the world and he can span the gap between himself and a broken world through the grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ who is bought and paid for us. And he can use the church, us, with all of our differences, with all of our shortcomings. This is what brings him glory and delight, us. That's a mystery, isn't it? And when you think about the church and all the stuff, all the struggle of it, God wants to use us. I know. I've been hurt and frustrated at the church just like you have at one time or another. But listen, you can't give up on the church. This is not the church of the future walking in right now to see the baptism that's going to happen in this moment. This is the church of the present. They are the church, just like I'm the church and you are the church. And here's another twist that you have to get. God calls the church to do, every one of us, to do ministry. You are a minister. Every person that just walked in, right? You get this, right? You know this? You're a minister. That's you. Not the people just to get paid for it, but every one of us is a minister. Sometimes we look at this differently. Paul looks at it uniquely. When he thinks of ministry, he thinks of it, I think, differently than many of us do. We think the things that we do in ministry, like maybe you're serving in a children's ministry or out in the parking lot or you're doing other things in the community that's, that's connected with Compassion Network and you think, yeah, that's my gift to God, right? Wrong. It's actually God's gift to you. Ministry is God's gift to you. You get to do it. You get to see God use you and all your weaknesses and all your feelings. You get to see God 
use you to change people's lives for eternity. Ministry is a gift to you. So if you don't participate in it, you miss out on the adventure of it. You miss out on the pleasure of God's great plan for you. And here's the thing about ministry, your ministry, that I trust you'll fully appreciate. God loved us so much that he entrusted to us what was most important to him, the lives of people in this community who have yet to know Jesus. He entrusted us with that, the church, with all of our failings. Isn't that a mystery? I stand back and I say, really? And the truth of it is, yes, God created us for this, for this purpose together. These mysteries, knowing God, knowing that God had this great plan all the way through history to guide it to Christ, the Messiah, our rescue. And it happened out of his grace, out of his great love for us, and that he would make us, with all of our differences, make two into one. And to do that, he would use the organism of the church. These are all mysterious things that invite us into the journey of discovery. Don't settle Don't settle for thinking that you have it all figured out, that you have God figured out or grace figured out or this mystery of two becoming one or that you've figured out the church. You haven't yet. There are still layers to uncover. And that's part of the great wonder and mystery that God has in front of us. Dive into it this week. Do it with a sense of adventure and intrigue. And the result is that God will reveal himself because that's what he delights in doing. Can I pray for you, please? Father, thank you very much for your good word and for the pleasure of mystery and the delight of it. Help us to seek you with all of our hearts because then we'll find you. We'll discover this great mystery. We love that you've made yourself known and you've given us life. All God's people said, Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.